This is Dan Fagell, and you're listening to the AI and Business Podcast. It's Thursday, so this is a Making the Business Case episode where we talk about the strategic considerations of bringing AI to life in the enterprise, and we speak with someone with rare experience in this domain. H.P. Bunez was the chief data officer for the Consumer Bank at SunTrust. SunTrust is a $9 billion financial services firm, a substantial company. Um, and then he spent close to a year and a half with DataRobot, DataRobot being one of the rare artificial intelligence unicorn companies based here in Boston. Very recently, he sprung out on his own when we were recording this episode, he was with DataRobot. We asked the question, how can companies gain an advantage, a strategic advantage with artificial intelligence at a high level in the C-suite? That's what people are asking. Not necessarily just how do we fix problem A, problem B, but how do we pull ahead of the competition? And HP's answer is different than some of the answers we've heard in the past around gaining data dominance and kind of, you know, being the Amazon of whatever your industry is. HP frames it more around the speed at which a company can learn when they get their AI fundamentals down pat. From an executive perspective, I think this is a nice way to look at it. And given HP's experience and kind of the startup ecosystem as well as you know, giant financial services firms, I think it's one we should take seriously. So without further ado, we're going to roll into this episode. This is HP Bunet's on the AI and Business Podcast. So HP, I wanted to start us off with just getting your perspective on what the competitive advantage of artificial intelligence is and how companies can leverage this technology, not just to kind of keep up with their competitors, but potentially to pull ahead of the pack. How do you like to think about that? Yeah, great question, Dan. You know, we see companies making huge investments in their data platforms and their data architecture and their data tools. And for the most part, most companies have better access to their data and better ways of extracting and assembling that data than they've ever had before. But it's pretty typical to hear companies struggling with getting the value from that data, really understanding it, learning from it, using it. And where we see AI and machine learning really sort of changing the game is around the development of better predictive models. The the kind of traditional process for building models was very time consuming, very expensive, cumbersome, error prone. It took a small army of very, very smart people. Where with AI and machine learning, you can you can leverage your investments in your data and you can learn from your own experience to build much better predictive models and not only better models, but faster and much more cost effectively than ever before. So, you know, the good companies are going to use AI machine learning to really leverage those investments that they've made to build models to help them make predictions about everything from what clients are likely to need and when they're likely to need them to where the greatest growth opportunities are in their markets to making better decisions about, um, you know, for example, in banking, what risks they take and how they price them. So we think that organizations that leverage these tools to build better models are going to break away from, from their competitors. But I should point out that we see some organizations that are using AI and machine learning simply to build better models and incrementally improve over what they have in place today. 
So, you know, you may have a model that, you know, predicts, for example, which client is likely to need which product. And you may just build a model that using your data and using AI machine learning to be more accurate than, you know, your previous models by learning from your data. And that's great. And, and there's no question that you can use AI and machine learning to build better predictive models. But we think that the companies that really, you know, achieve breakaway performance, yeah. really, that really separate themselves from the pack are the ones that rethink their business strategy based on the modeling capabilities they can create from the data investments they've made and what the, the AI and machine learning tool sets are now capable of doing. Got it. Okay. And I, and I think there's, there's a lot to dive into there. I think we're really sinking our teeth into something is the rethinking of the business based on what capabilities are opening up. I think that is the great promise here. Do you have maybe either an example of sort of what that could look like for the audience who's thinking about how that would work in their business or even potentially ways to help people arrive at that place? Because rethinking your business is, I think, what everybody wants to do, but it's sort of like, geez, how? Yeah, great question. So let me give you an example from, from banking that I think will, will resonate. And this is a, a product set that I think everybody understands and has some, some familiarity with either as a borrower or as a, as a consumer. Uh, and that's auto lending. So in, you know, everybody has probably uh, had the experience of getting a car loan, whether it's in the dealership or whether it's, you know, from a bank directly. And, you know, that, that can be sort of a, a difficult and painful experience, right? Going through the whole process and then figuring out based on, you know, multiple offers, which ones, has the terms and conditions that, you know, most closely achieve your goals and, you know, match your preferences. And from a banker's perspective, being able to quickly assess the, the risk of a loan and then determine what is the, the needs of that borrower are likely to be and how aggressive you want to be in pricing that loan, depending on what the predicted profitability of that loan is, which is determined by, you know, Myriad dozens of different yeah, characteristics, yeah, exactly. right, yep. is a very difficult thing to do. And as a result, banks tend to be conservative, right? They tend to go for the yep. lower risk borrowers. Yep. They tend to then price fairly aggressively for those borrowers and, you know, relative to competitive pricing. Many banks are, are price takers, right? Whatever the Whatever the market requires that's that's sort of how prices are set in order to get the volumes and the that they're looking for. But there's with AI you can you can rethink the approach to that business. If you have significant experience in that segment and you've you've made a lot of auto loans, say historically, you have a lot of data that you can learn from. And you've probably calculated some level of profitability measure for all of those loans you've made. It might be as simple as, you know, net profit, right? Revenue minus cost. It might be something more sophisticated like risk adjusted return or lifetime value. But almost everybody calculates profit at some level. Well, imagine building a model that would allow you to predict the profitability of every loan based on everything from credit risk to margins to fees to prepayment risk 
all of these things factor into how profitable a loan is likely to be over the lifetime of the loan. Now you factor in what's the value of that relationship and how might you be able to leverage that initial loan with that person into a broader relationship with that person over time. Well, with machine learning, you can predict exactly what the the profitability characteristics of a loan are likely to be um, based on all of your experience so that you can target very specifically where you want to be pricing aggressively and where you want to be pricing more conservatively, what segments you want to go after very aggressively, which ones maybe you want to tread a little more cautiously into. You can then build your strategy around the most profitable segments, and then you can measure uh, price elasticity across those segments relative to competitor pricing and relative to the price elasticity of, of borrowers within those segments. How elastic are they likely to be to different forms of pricing, upfront fees versus a lower rate, for example, or a slightly higher rate with no upfront fees? And then you can determine exactly what your strategy is going to be for that segment and you know where you see the growth and how you're going to compete to get the margins and the volumes that, that optimize your business mix. We've even talked to some bankers who are, would like to build models even down to an individual uh, brand level because different brands potentially have different borrower characteristics and different default characteristics. Oh, when, you, when you say brand, just, just to clarify real quick, HP, what do you mean by brand? So if one bank has multiple brands they operate under, in other words, like, um, you know, like no, sister actually, companies, I mean, if you will? Or? Different car brands. Oh, okay. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So a Jeep owner example, versus a Toyota owner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, a Toyota all day. may have all day. different yeah. characteristics in terms of their borrower set and their risk characteristics no and their pricing it. characteristics and even the term, you know, what kind of prepayment characteristics you're likely to see Yeah. than say, uh, you know, Mercedes loan. 100%. Um, yeah. And that makes sense. with now advances in automated machine learning, the ability to get very granular with these models and really start to segment your business in a much more sort of, you know, fine-toothed way that was completely impossible, you know, sort of in the in the days where, you know, you had to hand code, you know, each yeah, individual yeah, model. Yeah, crazy. Yep. Got it. So when you when you think about this, I guess, you know, we're talking about a pretty big shift and I think lending is a really interesting example because it's a nice financial services example anyway that isn't just purely efficiency oriented, right? I think a lot of the time the enterprise says, AI can help me automate. But this is a case where very clearly AI can help rip open the market. AI can help us absolutely lift the top line. If we can get ahead of the competition, we can swoop up these big swaths of people that don't have the traditional data that we might have needed for a loan back in the day. Now they can be paying us every month instead of our competitors because we've calibrated what it takes to sell to them. So that feels like a competitive advantage to me. No ifs, ands, or buts. Do you have any other examples you like to use as representatives? I think that's hopefully a really good one for the audience. So one of the things that clients have come to expect now, whether that's in in banking or really any other services, is they really expect you to know who they are. And they really expect you to know what they need and when they need it. And I think the days where you could just sort of carpet bomb, you know, your 
prospects or your client base with the with the offer du jour are pretty much over. You know, all that's doing is training your customer base. Yeah, yeah, true. They are, if you send a relevant offer after a relevant offer after a relevant offer to customers, they're they're very quickly going to learn that you do not know who they are and you do not know what they need. Customers these days really expect for you to know them and for you to be relevant and for you to be timely. And AI allows you to do that. You can learn from all of your customer interactions, not only what type of customer is likely to have what type of need, but you can also predict what type of events are likely to give rise to new client needs. So, you know, the ideal of being able to make the right offer at the right time through the right channel to the right client that is now completely attainable with AI and machine learning, where you know you can anticipate not only what somebody going to need versus another client, but when they're likely to need it, what channel is the best way to, to reach them. And you can be there with a, a product that exactly meets that need and in exactly the right way, you know, given their pricing preferences, the way that they would like to um, interact with you. So companies that learn from all of their, uh, not only their customer data, but all their interactions with their customers and all their knowledge about how those customers change over time, the companies that really learn from that data and are relevant to their customers and are there when their customers need them with exactly what they need when they need it. I think those are the companies that are going to outperform the others. Yeah. And I I think this is another great opportunity to talk about, again, just not purely efficiency oriented applications. You know, as you had mentioned, training your customers to ignore you. uh, That's a really great way to frame it because I think that strikes a lot of fear. (laughs) You know, people saying, well, maybe I'm not as targeted as I need to be. That's that's a little bit of a softener compared to maybe I'm training my customers to ignore me. That's a nice, uh, a nice little poke there. <laughs> when I'm kind of wondering, and maybe you, you've got a thought to this. I know I have one other question in this this series, but I've got a sort of idea here. Just thinking in my head, you know, everybody's going to be lifting up their personalization a couple ticks. You know, everybody's going to be kind of getting closer and closer to an audience of one. Hopefully, right? Everybody wants to get closer to an audience of one. Certainly in e-commerce, this is happening already in a grandiose way in worlds like insurance, maybe a little bit less so, but it's getting there. When you think about this personalization, marketing, timing, possibility of AI as a competitive advantage, what really makes that capability a market winning differentiator versus kind of, well, yeah, I'm getting better personalization like everybody else, you know, like what would an edge look like that would really let you pull ahead in your opinion? So it starts with the data, right? He who has the best data wins and not just data about the clients, but about the whole relationship with those clients and about the history of interactions with those clients, what those clients have needed, when they've needed it, and what types of events have preceded those needs. I think the the companies that figure out how to leverage AI and machine learning and those investments in their data and all of that rich data about the interactions with the clients they've made, those are the ones that are going to be able to 
you know, not just offer a better client experience, but also be relevant to the clients and have a offer a value proposition to those clients that differentiates themselves from their competitors. I mean, for example, we'll go back to the um, auto lending sure, um, yeah, sure. that we were talking about previously. Suppose that, you know, I'm researching cars on, on Edmunds and then, you know, not too long after, you know, I'm in a dealership shopping for particular cars or browsing at, at, at different cars in the showroom. And I get a message on my, my phone from my bank that says, I've been approved for up to $40,000 for a, a new car at this rate. You know, now you've, and all I have to do say is respond to that offer and the money will be in my account so I can, I can you know, make my trade in and pay uh, the difference in cash, you know, right at the dealership. Now you've really done something valuable for me. You've saved me a lot of time. You've made that transaction much more easier for me to execute. You've given me a good deal because I don't have to shop around now for for different rates. You've given me a a very competitive rate. You know, now you've you've made my whole interaction not only with you, but as through that transaction um, significantly easier. And all the research would, would tell you that that creates a very positive impression of your organization when you're relevant and you're timely and you're valuable. That creates an impression with the client that is enormously positive. You know who I am, you know what I want, you know when when I need it, and you're there for me when I need you. Whereas, you know, if I continue to just push offers out indiscriminately, then the research would tell you that I create a negative impression with the 98% of people that don't need what I'm selling at the time that I'm selling it to them. The impression is you don't know who I am. You don't know what I need. You're just trying to sell stuff to me. And I think the companies that are able to really create that trust with their clients that you know we're there to offer value to you we're there for you when when you need us, and we're not just trying to to sell stuff. Um, I think I think those are the companies that are going to really create client loyalty and and create deep client relationships that are the real the real trick to building those long term profitable relationships. I think it's it's really hard to argue with that as a general premise. I think that the line between personalization that people appreciate and personalization that crosses the line, you know, is something that people will have to feel out in real time. I think those expectations are shifting. I think it's different for age demographics and whatever else, but clearly clearly there's a golden mean to strike there. Last little tiny question to clarify, and maybe you'll have a take on this, is, you know, you had mentioned, you, you said something really interesting that I thought maybe we could leave the audience with, where you said he who has the data wins or something like that, the best data, the most data. If you were, you know, we're thinking about this personalization as a competitive advantage, would you say that the folks, you know, should potentially focus on that marketing personalization for the products that are most uniquely their own? For example, I'll give you just, maybe you have a take on this. You know, if, if I sell, I don't know, electronics online at a much smaller scale than Amazon or Best Buy or these other players, maybe I could gain a competitive advantage by, you know, doing that with electronics. But if I if I have like some really 
niche audience like, I don't know, maybe it's certain kinds of jewelry in a certain ethnic market like the Slavic nations or something, or maybe it's it's some sort of niche domain of which I probably have a more narrow and well-understood data set than maybe even the big players, would it make more sense to to start my competitive advantage marketing efforts in those areas where maybe my you know data pocket, even though it's not boiling the ocean, my data pocket would be one that I could get more value out of. Would you think about it that way or would you encourage people to think about it elsewise? No, you're absolutely right. Those are different and unique situations. In the latter situation, though, I would suggest that using AI and machine learning, you can very reliably target the specific clientele or specific prospects or specific segments of the population that are likely to fall within your niche market. Because you can you can learn from previous data, sort of, for example, who has responded and who has not, or you know, who has clicked on something on a website and who has not, or who has purchased something previously and who has not. That is enormously rich training data for creating very specifically targeted offers and campaigns so that you're not wasting time sort of going after, you know, in that case, the 98 or 99% of the market that may have no interest in what you're selling whatsoever and getting very reliably down to the one or 2% of the market that is your niche market, the market that is going to, your product's going to resonate with. And, you know, we see that happening more even in banking, for example, in wealth management, where you may have a sort of specific investment opportunity. And that investment opportunity may not be attractive or, or appropriate for everybody, but you know that one or 2% of your clients are going to have great interest, right, in that particular investment opportunity. Well, with AI and machine learning, you can learn to target very, very specifically the individuals or, or perhaps the, the institutions in the case of you know institutional um, wealth management, institutional trust, for example, that are going to have interest in that particular investment opportunity. So I think even in the case where there's a niche market, AI and machine learning can provide enormous value in isolating that market from the rest of the space. I dig it. And, and uh, I appreciate you stretching our marketing example, not just to the jewelry world, but to the other enterprise domains as well. And hopefully this gives the folks who are tuned in some good food for thought. I'm aware of where we are for time, HP, but I appreciate you being able to share your insights here on the competitive advantage of AI on this episode of AI and Industry. So thanks so much. My pleasure, Dan. Thank you for having me. So that's all for this Thursday Making the Business Case episode of the AI and Business podcast. HP's experience is obviously in banking, um, and I know many of our listeners are interested in artificial intelligence and banking. If you want to know some of the key use cases of artificial intelligence in the banking world, as well as some of the key terminology to understand to get a sense of where AI is making its way into banking, go ahead and download our AI and Banking Cheat Sheet. That's at emerj.com slash cs1. That's C as in cheat and S as in sheet. So cheat sheet, emerj.com slash cs1. 
the number one, and you can download that cheat sheet there. Next Tuesday, we're going to be spinning back to our use case episode. Again, every Tuesday we cover use cases. We're going to be talking about probably the most relevant industry on everybody's mind, even when you're not at work, and that's healthcare. What are the opportunities for AI in healthcare now? What are use cases that matter now? Well, we get an interesting venture capital perspective on next week's episode. So I look forward to catching you next Tuesday here on the AI and Business Podcast.